Hello and welcome back to the Only Cars Podcast, where we don't charge you a subscription for great car content. Here with your two favourite hosts, me, Dave, and... Brandon. Oh, there you are. And how are you getting on this week, mate? Very good this week, David, and yourself? Ah, no complaints. Sure, um, what can you do? We're all still alive, that's the main thing. Exactly, exactly. Can't complain. Um, I suppose we have a few announcements today um, for our amazing listeners. Um, the suspense is killing. First of all, and we are recording this podcast slightly later in the week. And um, so what, we what won't that? come across, and we do apologize, but what won't come Sorry. across is that I left David on a bit of a hook because, right, um, I happened to buy a car, a new car. And yeah, I left David on a cliffhanger. And then the day came that we were going to record it. We never did. So he was on an even bigger cliffhanger. Um, yes. And I eventually revealed it to him in person the other day. So, um, and I kept this from everyone um, as much what as a long nice as I could. Ferrari it is. It's not a Ferrari, unfortunately, but oh. um, it's quite familiar. Um, Tell us. It's the updated B8.5 A4. Um, oh, so got yourselves a bit of a 0.5 action upgrade. 0.5 action upgrade. And, um, Good Lord. Technique, more of that. engine this year. Oh, technique. Yeah, nice. it's it's the two liter TDI. Um, it's basically so for anyone that didn't know, um, my previous car, which I still have and is up for sale. If you want it, let me know. Um, but it's the would D8 model. Deal. Yeah, great deal. Don't worry. Only cars podcast special deal. Just only for you. cars podcast discount. You know what I mean? You mentioned only cars. Yeah. No bother. Yeah, just send me a quick DM there. You'll get it just so hard to read. But anyway, um. It's the old B8 2008 um, version of this car. And there's a lot done to it. Straight pipes lowered um, on Ibox Springs. None of this Chinese shit. Um, it's remapped, nice. all of that stuff. Um, tinted windows on the back. Um, Vossen 19-inch wheels. So it's a nice car. Nice wheels, I yeah. have to say. And so I'm going from that into basically... It doesn't have this car doesn't have any of the mods that I had done to that previous car, but it's nice in its oh, own way. Poverty spec, is this? No, it's not poverty spec. It's a thank oh. God. It's not. It's got the colored screens, as David was nice. very over the moon oh, to hear. Finally, converted uh, from the red screen of death. The red screens, as much as I loved them, once I saw that you could have more colors other than red, it was quite nice. And um, yeah, but, opened your mind. Yeah, and it also has um, what parking sensors, navigation aircon and um, you know everything it has everything it's full technique heated seats all this sort of stuff and it doesn't come with the s-line seats that are in my car however the leather seats are quite comfortable aren't they david i was impressed with them like i i have to say i, I didn't I, I don't prefer them aesthetically i suppose i yeah. prefer the, uh, the s-line seats and i had always kind of i suppose looked purely upon them going god they're I wouldn't even think they're nice to sit in and they're not supportive yeah. and so on. But having had a brief test drive in, in this, I have to say I, the, the seats were a lot better than I had thought or feared. Um, yeah, definitely. Actually pretty nice. So I was just having a conversation with David actually um, about the conundrum with this car. So I have kind of two options. The, the first option is I modify the car and make it look nice, potentially impacting yeah. resale value. Um, the only clear option. Yeah, but but I think well, if I go that route, which I probably will, I'll just do tasteful options, um, such as I'd be looking at trying to replicate OEM. So 
Yeah, know, exactly. Because um, there, there is an element of truth, of course. You, you you can't make it look like a lolly, I suppose. Yeah, um, but exactly. If you do some tasteful things that that everyone would like, not sure about the straight pipe, unfortunately. You've yeah, got to be happy with option, either, yeah. you know, going the full hog and doing it with all the sort of contemporary sort of mods and maybe all of them, but mm. most of them, and reducing your your potential market base to sell to a more niche market like ourselves, or you kind of make it look like a, you know, a, a nice respect OEM type replica type route where everyone can still appreciate you know yeah exactly um and if i was going that route um we've created actually the only cars youtube channel now so i'll leave that in the description of the podcast if you want to go and subscribe because we're going to be bringing out a lot of cool videos um and all parts of nasty exactly and you'll see the beetle the porsche and this car and potentially the journey that we're going to be going through modifying cars maybe painting the beetle you never know uh, spoiler but stuff like that could happen exactly it's it's just going to be you know kind of like a scrapbook but a video format i guess is the best way to describe it but anyway yeah exactly (laughs) bring it back but um, then the second option is i keep it for like a few months and then sell it on and get something else um well, but, I think it depends on, on, on what you want to do. So if you want to play the kind of yeah. musical car chairs, I suppose you could say, um, then, you know, and lots of people do that. You know, that's actually, particularly from a new car capacity in terms of PCP, that's mainly what people are doing. No one's buying cars anymore. They're just yeah, putting them on PCP and paying whatever. And that's great. If you want a new car or a different car, every so often, um, the catch, I guess, is that you, you can't modify it certainly from a new perspective, but even in your case, Brandon, um, because your taste might necessarily be to everyone's. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously I, I own the car outright, so I wouldn't need, I wouldn't worry about modding it. But as you said there, my taste isn't necessarily someone who wants to pay me market value for the car. Uh, also their taste. Right. So um, yeah. that is the conundrum. But what I feel that will happen is I'll modify the car slightly tastefully and then sell it in a few months. So I think I'll just combine them both into one and maybe keep it for like a max half a year. I think that's fair enough. Um, definitely things you can do there that, you know, if done right and done tastefully will, will make it appear a little bit more alluring, I suppose. Yeah. Um, without, without crossing that line into niche market. Shall yeah. Say. Yeah. I get that. Definitely. And it's a nice change. You know, the road tax on the old car is 400 euro and this one's down to 200. It's just, it's nice little things like that. And, you know, the electric steering and all sorts, it's, it's just nice, subtle upgrades. You know, it's, it's a big upgrade, yes. but not really in other ways. So it's nice. We better not mention emissions around the, the Volkswagen group in general. Speaking but, um, of yeah. emissions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see the progress, isn't it really? Yeah. We'll be going into that shortly, but um, yeah, yeah. definitely the real emissions for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it is, it is a nice car and it's nice to see, you know, and unfortunately with Ireland for many reasons that we won't get into, or that'll be the whole podcast gone, but we, we often see the less respect or poverty spec as we like to call them. So we do get, in the case of with the A4, for example, we do get them, but they're generally very weirdly spec'd or, or, you know, they might have some things and they don't have others and, and such. But this one is a, is a nice example of one that's very well spec'd. Yeah. Um, it has the Technic pack. It's, it's, um, it's got a few extras here and there kind of thing. So um, 
it really adds another layer almost to go like it'd be great to have like a fully specced version just to show yeah. or to see should i say all that they could do with that a4 like they, they, like don't you know there's there's many options um and i i i'd often you'd have to go to england i suppose to get it but i'd love to have a full a full spec like every option ticked kind of thing yeah you know definitely because it's um, such a different car like i mean it's it's crazy yeah. yeah it's it's crazy what options actually do in the end you know like, now, debatably, not not worth, you know, as is often said, why bother option specking up a vehicle? You, you, you know, you, you're not going to get the value mm-hmm. of those options necessarily if you sell them. And I guess that's a perspective thing, maybe not straight away, but I think anyone who's into cars is going to pay generally um, more for, we'll say, an S-Line versus an SE. Yeah, definitely. And they're fundamentally the same car. All you're getting really is... A nice steering wheel, a nice seats, and a few other bits and pieces. But it is in those other few other bits and pieces that actually makes the difference of just a kind of okay car to, God, this is a nice car. Yeah, and just on that point as well, it's kind of like if you're planning on keeping the car for years on end, you know, taking a few options, they might, you know, the creature comforts, as they're called, or whatever, you know, you will actually enjoy them. Once you have, like, for example, a heated steering wheel or something in the winter or no. heated seats. Yeah, exactly. Like that, you know? And it does highlight, unfortunately, too, um, and maybe, again, it's more just specific to this country, but um, there is a general trend. It used to be BMW in the 80s, from what I understand, uh, where there were, you know, there was all sorts of sort of slacking going on where BMW considers the steering wheel as an extra that, you know, yeah. <laughs> any, everything was an option. And Audi have gotten like that. So have Volkswagen. The wider Volkswagen group have gotten like that. Now, like, you will ultimately get sort of pound for pound, shall we say, you'll get more options on a Seat and a Skoda than you will standard with a Volkswagen or an Audi. Mm. A lot of stuff that comes standard with Seat or Skoda is um, very expensive options in some cases. Yeah. Volkswagen and, Audi. and and it's a bit disappointing in that they're really they're going in for the double kill there they're not just getting you in terms of the prestige of the mark but even when you do decide yes I am going to buy a new A4 they go oh sorry you wanted door handles did you <laughs> yeah about that it's an extra 800 quid for that one and yeah, you know you're even, paying for all sorts of stuff you, you know? know the um, dynamic indicators it's not like 500 quid option on the Probably, new Audi. yeah I, I know the LED matrix lights are like something like oh, four crazy. grand or something. Yeah, insane. Like yeah. it's it's madness. Now, like, they are pretty cool. Great though. technology. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! And I would absolutely want one. But would I like to be the person who has to take that box uh, mm. initially to buy the car? Not so sure. Um, but like <laughs> for the whereas, person who's half the value in a year. This you know. is it. I mean, oh. but even LED lights, for example, not not the matrix ones, just normal LED lights. I think are standard on. Certainly, some Skoda and see it. Um, possibly some higher level Volkswagens, but like to spec them in your average Golf or A4, shall we say, probably two and a half grand or something similar. I remember Zeno headlights were like two grand, I think, at the time, and it's all LED now. So, um, you know, stuff like, for example, you did, which perhaps is a podcast in itself, but the death at the sunroof. Um, I remember growing up, you know, a lot of cars had sunroofs. You see a lot of yeah. sunroofs. Now you don't. Now I know there is a lot of panor- panoramic sunroofs like in SUVs and stuff like that. But sunroofs in general or sunroofs in cars are very, very rarely seen in Ireland. 
because it's a two and a half grand option. Yeah. You know, and that's mad. Yeah. And, and, I, and if anything, that, that puts into perspective just how much of a rip-off the LED lights are because if, you know, a roof is two and a half grand, you're paying like something like four grand for LED matrix lights. That's wild. Yeah. That's rough. If you're getting something spicier in terms of like a Porsche or whatever, you want to go carbon ceramic brakes. Oh, forget it. Easily. Five or six grand. Just forget it. Like, like, I think they're eight grand on a GT3 RS, I think. There you go. Now, obviously, that's very bespoke. But generally speaking, Volkswagen's ladies are not that very well specced compared to no. Seats and Skodas. You know. Yeah. And Seat. I love Seat. Like they're, they're really high quality car. Um, it's basically just a golf without the extreme price tag. Um, well, they're they're not cheap either. Um, but yeah, they're cheaper than a golf, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, no cars cheap now. Like, come on. Like, the sort of alleged marketing strategy is that Volkswagen is sort of the premium everyday car, every man's car, I suppose you could say, but but, but premium. Audi is the more premium to that, shall we say? Not necessarily luxury per se, but you know more prestige the Volkswagen as it means in German is, is still people's car but it's a premium people's car the Audi is a you know for your, your upper middle class type people shall say. Uh, uh, CS would you believe is the sporting wing of the Volkswagen group or as is, is alleged to have to be uh, particularly also they have the subgroup Cooper now and um, I love but, great cars yeah, but like I mean, that's that's see it is it's a sporting one, and and Skoda yeah. was sort of was meant to be the budget alternative. Now, definitely not budget by any means, and I suppose where that's most greatly apparent is in its price because you know it may be cheaper than the average or equivalent Volkswagen, but still, it's it's not much cheaper. It's definitely not something you could consider a budget, but um, far better spec cars on average for sure. Mm, definitely. Um, you know. Oh, and just briefly before we get into this week's news, um, there is a car meet on in Dundalk this weekend. Um, on Sunday yeah. morning, Sunday the, what date would that be? 11th, I think. 11th, yeah. Yeah, so it's from 9am to 1pm, I think. It's in on Cafe Brew in the Yardley yeah. Road there. Yardley and it's held park. by the lads at Street Peace Ireland. Um, so... We're hoping for a decent turnout there. So, um, hopefully, we'll we'll look see at you some there. photos on the, the Facebook. It looks uh, at previous events. There's been some decent machinery. So, hopefully, we'll be there in as many yokes as, you, as as we can drive. <laughs> That's exactly it. And we might have to awaken the the five liter beast as well and get her out. It'd be rude not to really. It would, wouldn't it? And um, so, yeah, definitely head over to that if you're in the area and. Um, you might see us there. You never know. Um, but anyway, moving on from car Tarnas. meets and such, we're going to hop into the news. Car news. And into, I think I'll start with, I think, By all means. something kind of crazy. When I seen this article show up, I sent it straight away to David, um, of course. And basically, the Porsche Taycan has been recalled over powertrain glitch issues that they're calling so forty-three thousand models have been recalled because you know you'd just be driving down the motorway oh yeah you'd just be driving down the motorway no problem and then the whole drive train would shut off so you'd be driving there see what's going on there though 
you see that's that's actually in the missions uh, it's it's meant to do that you see so oh, yeah. it, it decides that well actually no you've, you've driven a little bit too hard there now and in in the distance there i heard <laughs> a, a penguin in distress so we're just going to pull over for uh, a few minutes you know just turn okay, me off and on there wh- where is the emissions and, um, coming from though if it's electric well it, it it's it's using an aggregate calculation of how much and uh, power you've used to charge it you see and oh. the subsequent carbon offset print and, and whatnot it's very intelligent like that you see yeah this reminds me of the conversation we had it, for example <laughs> yeah okay good one this reminds you me of the I mean? conversation we had where i basically i'm embarrassing myself here by saying this but i basically said that what if tesla is the biggest diesel gate scam you've ever seen and that there's actually know. a diesel engine in there somewhere. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's actually diesel powered and, you know, it's like condensed yeah. diesel. And I pointed out the, the, the minor observation, really, that, <laughs> um, well, entertaining that idea, uh, you know, where where would one put the diesel into it? Does it have a so, perpetual tank? Here's the problem. I, I forgot to think of Hello. that before saying what I said. So, yeah, yeah maybe... It's nuclear I diesel. Think, yeah, no, That's my solution was... For life. It's like compressed diesel. And it's just, right. you know, it's all, Filled yeah, I'm embarrassing life, myself yeah. here. Anyway, so... You get the one tank for the whole life. That's how <laughs> yeah. it works. So the point is that Porsche Taycan is ruined. Um, you know, well, I mean, it, it's we've clearly, you know, established that they're committed to their environmental impact and their carbon footprint. <laughs> and um, they've, they've installed this safety feature, if anything, really, uh, where you're you're encouraged and 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 enforced to take a stop for a brief moment on the middle in the middle of the motorway by the way yeah on the middle of the autobahn i just appreciate <laughs> you know the the screaming marks and porsches that are passing you at 300 kilometers an hour exactly um, yeah it's not it's not bad Good enough time. that you right. could run out of range in the Taycan, but now it'll just shut off on you and the only way to you're fix right. it people is the only way people run in a range of the Taycan is because they're driving so quick you see i don't think so do you know what i mean but it's just that shatteringly quick that you know but you've gone a long way like you know what i mean i think this gone. is i think this is great though right so how do you fix this issue you pull over the car and by the way, you have a maximum of 90 seconds to pull the car over before probably the brakes go. But anyway, you, you pull over the car and, well, that's true, but you pull over the car, you turn it off and turn it back on and it all works again. Brilliant. So if you are yeah. a Taycan owner, please return that to your local Audi dealership, uh, Porsche dealership, and um, they'll fix it for you um, because it's just a glitch. Don't worry. Just a glitch that your car randomly turns off Not even a it's just an environmental mode that you can't switch off it's eco mode but they're yes. going to modify it so that you will exactly um yeah. this issue has also been fine uh found in the audi e-tron gt um but they've already caught, the caught it an issue really but uh sure okay yeah no problem <laughs> um so that's the first order of business done it is, and indeed, in in the vein of of our German friends, um, you can see in the news this week that our good friends of Porsche, or Porsche, depending on how you'd like to pronounce them, um, Bugatti, and our good old Croatian mates, Rymac, have decided to make the ultimate rock band. I suppose you could say, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and so. Basically, they've, they're embarking on a joint venture now. For those that don't know, Porsche and Bugatti are both owned by the Volkswagen Group. Um, so they are, in effect, the same company. And there's a joint venture between 
technically the three of them, but realistically it's Volkswagen and Rymark, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but just to keep the taxman happy, they're going to call it the Bugatti Rymark sort of company, shall we say. And they intend to um, establish a new hypercar sort of mark in and of themselves. Um, this thing's going to be insane, got, folks. Like. It's going to be insane. If you think about it, so if you don't know Rymark, Porsche or um, Richard, should I say, Richard Hammond famously crashed one of them. Um, I don't think concept it's the newest one. one. Concept one, yeah. Yep. Um, I think he was pretty, well, not very badly hurt, but he was... He was in crutches for a while, yeah. Anyhow... Um, <clears throat> He's very lucky, Mac isn't he, the, that fella? He I wouldn't be giving him the keys to my yoke now, to no, be fair. No, certainly not. Um, but uh, they've... Basically, um, they've, they've had an, a newer even ridic- more ridiculous car since then. I think it's called the Nivera. It has 1,900 horsepower. Jesus. Which can exceed, allegedly, 250 miles an hour, which is just crazy things in kilometers. But um, And I guess, I guess just the- before you go on there, just to, to put that into perspective for people who won't know horsepower off the top of their head, right? So um, a 4 Series has a roughly around 200 brake, a 420D. Roughly around 200 brake. Yeah. Um, and what did we say it was? 2,000. Nine, well, as near as it makes no difference. Yeah, nine, 1,900. So there you go. That, that kind of puts it into perspective. Uh, Absolutely. Like, I mean, my Audi, for example, has 300 horsepower. It's a 3-liter V6. I consider that car to be quick. Oh, it's um, fast. Yeah. The it's torque, fast. So. But that thing has 1,900 horsepower. That's the electric uh, Nevera, and of course, being electric, it means that it doesn't need to be wound up. There's no spooling turbos. There's no revving it. It's instant. It's the second mm-hmm. that you press the throttle, you have all of that power available, which is madness. Um, the Bugatti Chiron, in itself, not necessarily a slouch, bringing fifteen hundred horsepower to the table, and I believe it's still the fastest. Production car? No, Tesla's now past that. That's in a sprint. Oh, I don't, I don't know about. Oh, I, oh, top yeah. speed. Yeah, probably is. I think it's still the fastest. I know there was a couple of attempts by Hennessy in America with their Koenigsegg. Is it Venom? Hennessy oh, Venom's fast. Jeez, that thing fast. Venom. Yeah. I think they might have fished. I can't really remember. There's something in my mind about they might officially have it, but. It's debatable as to whether they're considered a production car in terms of their volume. Anyhow, mm. pretty pretty quick. It's between the two. And bottom line, as we mentioned in, in an earlier podcast too, you know, that engine was, and potentially also with this new venture looming, we're correct in saying the last example of, you know, internal combustion technology at its absolute finest. Mm. And that would perhaps go down in history as the, the last great, supercar or hypercar indeed engine ever engineered but let's not guess too doom and, doom and gloom as such the, the the premise the potential premise with this venture and uh, porsche being a porsche know-how bugatti know-how and, and rimac know-how you would like to think they're aiming for a hybrid as opposed to a completely electric but um yeah i think it will be it could be all electric who knows um but what what a concept if they did try and combine the two so take an evolution version of the Chiron engine it's currently at 1500 say they can squeeze 18 1900 out of it no problem what if it's a Chiron with the battery power plant in it 
that would be well that's, that's it, it, potentially in effect the same <laughs> thing so I mean if, if the, the motors and the wheels are going to be the same strength it's just what's powering it so I guess what we're saying here folks is you've got the potential here for what three and a half to four thousand horsepower oh Jesus it's crazy with a combination of the Bugatti W16 engine and Rimax electric technology that would be insane and um, possibly what's needed to break what is the new holy grail of 300 mile an hour yeah that um, that would be insane and you have to kind of question how are they going to put this power down like it's actually they're going to have to re-engineer well it's like I mean it, it, it's not even just about putting it down it's, it's about how do you keep a car stable at the speeds it can potentially reach like like they, they can get it off the line no problem in terms of trick you know traction controls and four wheel drive systems and so on and so forth but yeah you know if you are trying to break th- the blessed three ton shall we say uh, i remember reading an article and like, i'm sketchy on the figures but i remember reading an article about the development of the, of the veyron and, and how they wanted to you know go as fast as they could and 200 obviously was broken i think in 87 with the Ferrari F40 maybe or the Porsche 959 Mm -hmm. both were capable of of plus 200 so 300 has really been obviously the the, the next achievement to get to Um, I think they've broken that though Bugatti with the wasn't it? It did yeah that was a once off sort of trial run but like you you wouldn't be able to production that and that's why the wider Veyron project ran so far over budget with R and D is because they they massively underestimated the task that was. Yeah, it's no easy feat. You know, it it's easy to do it on race day. You know, look at Formula One cars. They've true. You know, you know, there's so much more power, but they only have to last. The, the catch wasn't just the power required to do. I think what two hundred and fifty-two mile an hour or something like that. That's what the Chiron or the Veyron can do. Uh, it wasn't just about it reaching that speed. That was easy. You needed to reach that speed, but having it a production car that could do it reliably again and again and last for a period and go home, Yeah, take it to McDonald's drive-thru, last for a period of time. That was the catch. Plus, and this is also debated with the Hennessy argument, in that it the Bugatti Veyron and Chiron is, is a luxurious car. It's like a Bentley inside. It's a, It's... It's full of nice things that weigh a lot. The Hennessy carbon is a fiber, out car. just on the as you're saying, full of nice things. If you want carbon fiber in your Chiron, it's sixty five thousand pounds. Just to have on the interior, but anyway, the indicator stock alone costs four and a half grand. Lovely, just the indicator stock. So we won't even talk about a tire, a set of tires. Thirty five grand. Yeah, it's, you know, madness, but. At the same time, um, a fantastic piece of engineering. Definitely. You know, and the, the, the problem, though, that they had was they had to make it a very heavy car go very, very quickly and very, very frequently. So that was the problem they faced. And I think they remembered it was a scale anyway that one of the engineers was explaining that. The effort it takes, we'll say, to get from 200 mile an hour to 252 it's far more than the effort it took the car to get to 200 mile an hour to begin with. Yeah. And so, say you get to 252, which is what I think they have, okay, and you want to get to 300, you say to yourself, wow, it's only another 48 mile an hour. That's surely <laughs> easily achieved. 
But the problem is you're fighting against physics at that point. There's the, the velocity of the air that's hitting the car, the, the, the surroundings of the car effectively, the density of the air. It's almost like soup. You know, it's a like cake. Mm-hmm. It gets harder. So the, 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 the atmosphere itself is resisting you going faster, you could say. And the tires the as well. The, t- the tire technology isn't, isn't there reliably for sure. Um, the downforce is something is a number of tons just pushing the car into the ground. That's another reason that the, the tires have a hard time because they don't need to just have to deal with the power, the weight, and the speed, mm. but they also need to deal with the downforce as a consequence of the design, which is required to generate enough grip to stay on the road at that speed. Um, all of that kind of works against you counterintuitively to put excess wear in the likes of tires and stuff. So you would need hundreds of horsepower, maybe even another thousand, to get from 252 to 300, yeah. where you needed only half of that or less to get to 252, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because as so, you're saying there, like with Formula One, they have an entire team uh, to manage the engine and you know, they have so many different modes. Oh, put it into whatever. Um, and But you're never going to get a Formula 1 car with 80,000 miles on it. No, never. Cause the engine you're you're never going to get a, a Formula 1 or maybe you've got Aaron with that kind of mileage either. But that was the premise, I guess, given to the designers and the engineers at the time was that this thing needs to be a luxury car, needs to be the fastest car in the world, and it needs to do that for at least 10 years, shall we yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. And when you combine those things, that's almost an impossible feat of engineering. And that's why the original Veyron Volkswagen lost 1.5 million on every single one they sold, selling it for nearly 1.5 million. Crazy. Absolutely that's crazy. 300 million, or, or 3 million, sorry, collective cost per car. Yeah. But they're, they're reaping in the rewards now with the Chiron. Because it's basically it's all profit now, really. Well, I, I don't know. It would well, take a long to time to offset the total engineering costs, but but it's it's not as much of a loss anyway, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, hopefully they come out with something absolutely crazy. Um. As people probably would love well, that. Yeah. If you're into your hypercars, you'll know that Koenigsegg is coming out with um an absolutely insane car. That's um, it seats four people. And it has 1,700 brake horsepower, fully electric. You have like, what is it? Some like eight cup holders in the car. Um, two for each person, hot and cold, heated and cooled rather. Um, it's an absolutely insane. What is it? Is it the that's, that's an interesting design aspect. Eight cup holders. And, Isn't and I can't say I disagree with them. Uh, you can never have enough cup holders. And it's one thing that you don't have in cars, particularly fast ones. So yeah. now... I don't know what the coffee's going to look like all over the center console, but, you know, still. Um, They're fairly deep cup good, holders. It's a good addition. I like that. It's kind yeah, of quirky. Um, but it's the Koenigsegg Gemera for anyone that wants to look that, um, look it up. Gemma, as we like to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's absolutely insane. Like, the specs on this thing, it's just... And set like 1,700 horsepower. Uh, nearly I, as much as the Beetle mate. yeah true they're describing it as a hybrid which has 1700 horsepower and you can bring all your friends so I mean do you know what I find more impressive about Koenigsegg as a car manufacturer is 
the main man himself, Christian von Koenigsegg, who is an absolute maniac. Yeah, he's crazy. Um, but also a remarkably talented individual and talented um, engineer. Some of the stuff they've come out with, like the free valve technology, where yeah. um, it's a valveless engine, you know, it's electronically controlled, um, opening and closing of the valves, no countershaft. It's mad. Like some of the, and, and like, it's one of the very, very few, if any, car manufacturers where like, proper experimental stuff has been tried like I yeah mean, like the doors as well it's not like dihedral doors or something it's uh, like a special uh, mechanism he's basically like yeah Elon Musk. Um, he's a james bond villain of the car industry yeah, yes for sure he looks like um, one too actually he does yeah like <laughs> love or something yeah. maybe but um he's definitely you should you should youtube interviews with him and, and and talking about the car that guy really cares and that makes a difference to a car manufacturer, you know, you know that that car has been developed with optimum performance in mind. And I'm not suggesting that, that other manufacturers don't or indeed haven't done that, but they've definitely dropped the ball of late. There's there's no mad stuff out there, shall we say. There's very, very good evolutions of tried and trusted methods in terms of engine configurations or engine designs and, and applications and hybrid technology yeah. and all that kind of crap. But there's nothing mad and Koenigsegg is mad and I like that yeah definitely and it's it's his own comp like it's his family name so yeah you know he's involved he's invested, like, he's invested big time yeah and yeah. obviously these cars are mega exclusive unless you have 1.5 uh, million down the back of the couch there but um which we always have just of course yeah, we, we have it here and um, we're just waiting for it to come out of course podcast couch follow money so it is Indeed. Um, so, um, yeah. Moving on to more, I suppose, depressing uh, news. Well, not for us, but for Volkswagen Group. Um, David hinted at this earlier on about emissions, and the emissions are only resting in our accounts. Exactly. Um, yeah. So there's now a legal firm going after Volkswagen Group again for a again. second emissions campaign, um, alleging that the German automotive group quote, covertly made fundamental changes to affected vehicles, unquote. So basically what they're saying is that um, it wasn't just an issue with the engine, uh, that Volkswagen were recalling cars, you know, on the sly, or if you were in on it, having your yoke service did quickly fix the issue. And then, you know, you'd never know it happened. You never know there was an issue. Well, I think I think it's 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 fundamental to, to point out here that I suppose A at least to fix it. B, um, would you like to hear yes. and, it, and it annoys me as a Volkswagen fan that yeah, I get it, those crafty Germans at it again, and Volkswagen suffers the brunt of the headlines in the media around this. And yes, they were up to no good. But they weren't alone. No. They were not, definitely not alone. Tell us so, who else was up to up to probably just the the, the one or two. Is this uh, a lot of the way? Back. No, unfortunately not. So now this group of solicitors are also investigating um, emission claims against brands such as. Are you ready? Mm. BMW, Citroen, yeah. Jaguar, Land Rover, Ford, Mercedes Benz, Volvo, Renault, and Nissan. Oh, so not said Renault, which is terrible. For yes. all our Renault fans, I apologize on Brandon's behalf. It's clearly Renault. But anyway, we won't get into that. Oh, Renault, um, my bad. So, it wasn't just Volkswagen caught with their hands in the cookie jar. I don't think so. Um, oh, it certainly doesn't look like it. And, you know, they're alleging that these other groups were 
suppressing clean emissions technology and concealing those actions from regulators and customers alike. How dare they do that? How dare they? But Volkswagen have fought back and said, should it be necessary, we will defend ourselves robustly. In other words, (laughs) we are trillionaires. Come after us. Well, they are. I mean, they're definitely the most cash-rich company, car company, for sure. Um, They have very much... Um, I suppose suffered the, the consequences of Dieselgate and have fought many um, lawsuits in America and <clears throat> I think one previously in, in Europe and the UK. So, um, will they end up having to pay? I don't know. And I think in this instance, maybe double jeopardy kind of pulls into play here. It's interesting that they're vague enough on these alleged additional. Um, you know, if it wasn't just the engine, what is it? What is it? Yeah. You know, the engine is what's creating the emissions. So it could be argue, difficult to argue that legally. And then, of course, evidentiary proof. It's all circumstantial, potentially. So I, I can't see them getting nailed again for it. But who knows? Strange world we live in. So, yeah. But I'm, I'm also happy, even though it's not advertised necessarily in the sensationalist way the headline is written, but um, that. You know, it's clear that everyone was at it, basically. It wasn't just a Volkswagen problem. It was everyone. Yeah, but it's easier to come after the big fish. Than, you know, I remember, well, funnily enough, at the start of that, Mercedes were implicated and they addressed any, um, you know, responses or, or reports surrounding those allegations. They responded back as the Daimler group. Which of course owns Mercedes Benz, but I thought that was a nice little sly addition to do that to go. Okay, well we have been caught here, but let's not get Mercedes Benz in, in the headline. Yeah, because no one knows let's who Daimler are. Daimler, yeah. who are Daimler? What did they do? Never heard of them. Um, so I thought that was extra crafty. So it's nice to see that they're listed as as Mercedes Benz there. Yeah, definitely. So that's all from that. Um, as David said, on that, weekly, uh, moving on, we have our weekly update on weekly the update. best. Here we go. Dishwasher to buy this time round. <laughs> um, so buy dishwasher, as I'm sure you know, if you're a long-time listener, I mean electric car, and I, I'm not inherently against electric cars. I still prefer good old Dino Juice powered engines. But anyhow, um, Renault, or Reynolds, as you would ignorantly call them, random. Um, the name, unfortunately, have, that is their name. Not Renault, mate. But anyway, Renault. Um, Renault, exactly. Sacre bleu. Um, Jesus, don't say that now. We'll upset the French. Does that not mean um, I love Renault? No, it doesn't. And, oh. and I think it, it means like, oh my God, effectively. It doesn't directly translate to that, but that's how it's used contextually, I guess. Um, anyhow, moving on from, from French Lessons 101, uh, which could be a new podcast, who knows. Um, Renault, uh, as you know, have a couple of electric vehicles. The Zoe probably being the most popular. And it decided to go down or cash in, shall we say, on the retro-themed or inspired oh dear. models that have been very successful for the likes of Fiat, for example, the Fiat 500 Volkswagen with the Beetle and such. They've decided to revive initially the Renault 5, which... Interesting. Some of our listeners may not remember. I very much remember a close connection to. The Renault 5 was the pre- predecessor of the Renault Clio. So it's effectively a boxier-looking Clio. I was one of my first, it was actually the first car I bought when I was 12 with my confirmation money of a very (laughs) suspicious man in a Tala car park for 150 punt. That's a whole other conversation. But anyhow, I still have that car. It's in my um, my friend's house. 
uh, in his shed. But they they're deciding to bring back the Renault Five. It was a it was a, a very popular car at the time. Uh, when it was launched, I suppose brief history on it. Renault was in f- considerable financial difficulty, and you could argue that Renault Five was the car that kind of saved the company. You could say um, it was sold in great numbers. It was it was a fun little happy looking car, and um, I'm glad to see it making a rebirth. So, unfortunately for me, uh, at least, it's coming back as an electric car. Um, so. The design is very, very retro-inspired. You, you know, from those who know and love the Renault Five, you can definitely see the inspiration um, shining through. So it's 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 a it's a, as close to a tribute as as you can get. What's also looking fresh and sort of trendy and electrified. Um, but wait, there's more. Not only are Renault intending to build or bring back the five, they've also strongly hinted that they're going to bring back the infamous Renault 4, which, um, again, I've probably only appealing to the sort of, yeah, garden nation uh, generation at this point, and that no one remembers the Renault 4. But the Renault 4 was also assembled in Ireland, interestingly. Um, I don't know if that's a good or a bad Great thing. little car. Ah, yeah, no, it was great. Um, basic enough car, interesting quirk about the Renault 4 was it had a column shift gear stick. So instead of having the gear stick on, on the on the floor of the car, shall we say, it was actually up by the air vents beside the radio. What else had that? Was it an Alfa Romeo that had that? Or no? Not sure. I only know Renaults with it. Column shift. The Renault 4, a couple of the Renault 16 maybe had it too. Civics have that, don't they? Well, that's a gear stick that's kind of built into the dash. This was like even higher. Like this was beside your, your indicator the aircon, stop. Or your aircon will be. Basically, be. You know, yeah. yeah. So, um... Quirky little feature. They're going to bring back the Renault 4 anyway, basically, as a reimagined um, electric vehicle. Again, fairly heavily retro-inspired. Um, Alpine, which has historically been the fast wing of Renault, shall we say, and of course, recently made um, <clears throat> a sort of comeback there with the A110 that they announced probably five or so years ago now. Um, unfortunately, that car, again, I say unfortunately because I'm not exactly pro pro electric but that car's successor will be an all electric um sports car that Renault or Alpine in this instance are co-developing with Lotus. So anything that has Lotus color uh, collaboration is good. Lotus know their handling in particular. So um that's gonna be interesting. But they're also going to take the reimagined normal Renault five and make a Renault five electric Alpine. And of course from Yesteryear, there was uh, a Renault 5 Alpine, a Gordini Turbo, and a, a Renault 5 GT Turbo, which were the fast Renault 5s, basically. Um, I'm glad you said that they were the fast Renault 5s, because everybody yeah. is either Googling it or just like, yeah, good man. Okay. Yeah, go on, well, what we'll is he on about this thing? thing? This shit Renault box. 5? Don't yeah. know. No, I don't think so. No. The Renault 5 was mainly sold in like 1.2, 1.4. It wasn't yeah. a fast car per se. It was nippy enough. But the Alpine GT Turbo variants uh, were very quick. For their time, I think they had around 120 brake, which nice. was impressive. Especially for um, a small car. That's, yeah. Yeah. Car that weighed maybe 800 kilo. Oh, I'd that's say. fast. Had a push. So it was very, very quick. Um, a Golf GTI rival, you could argue. Um, definitely a Peugeot 205 rival from back in the day. But they're gonna they've already basically, even though they haven't launched this new reimagined Renault 5, they've already planned a fast version of it, which will be the Renault Alpine, which is what it was once called once upon a time. Um it'll come with 
215 brake electric motor, allegedly, uh, coming from nice. the forthcoming McGann E-Tech electric crossover. Um, so it will be a fast little car, and it's nice to see the Renault 5 sort of coming back to the four. Um, obviously, I have a personal attachment to it, but um, it's nice to see that. I wouldn't have exactly preferred electric, but, um, you know, it's better than not having one at all. So uh, it's good. And Renault seem to be on, in good form, I guess. I have, I am a closet Renault fan. They're not the most reliable cars. They're soft <laughs> cars at best. But um, is that changing like though? Do you think? Um, time will tell. I, I, I guess there is still an inherent resistance to agree with you there. Yeah. Um, yeah. one of the main problems that that French cars have had down the years, apart from the general unreliability bit, was <laughs> the, the, the big um, unreliability. Yeah, bit. yeah, just general the big unreliable <laughs> bit. Yeah. Um, but but they suffered extreme electrical problems. Yeah. So French and electrics don't generally go in the same sentence. Same, no. with, the, same with Italian <laughs> electrics, God rest them. But um, they really don't work. And so the concept of an all-electric Renault, if I'm honest with it's you. It's kind of worrying, um, isn't it? It's a bit scary. It's a bit yeah. scary. At you least it in a with the fire. older Renaults. Yeah, you had no lights, wipers, ignition, right like that. But you can still <laughs> drive along, happy enough. Um, but no, Um I'd like to think that they have up the game. They've got a, a massive alliance going now. So it's the Renault, Nissan, Mitsubishi alliance or whatever they actually call themselves. So there's a lot of, you would imagine, pool resources there and share technology. So um, Once sure they're sharing the right technology and not the well, French wiring. This, you know. But you'd think surely out of the three of them that they're able to produce something that's pretty decent. Like Nissan, historically famed with reliability to be fair yeah. to them. so um hopefully who knows but that's that's what Renault are planning on uh, cooking up soon well I have a question for our listeners who have got this far into the podcast um fair play so, to you by the way fair play to you yeah. been here this um, long. <laughs> um so what is your favorite electric car and um, DM us on Instagram oh, yeah. at only cars podcast nice. because we've gotten a lot of great feedback from all of our listeners um not all of you, some of you are phantom listeners, but um, a lot of the yes. amazing listeners that uh, send messages in. And, but we've send never actually over. asked. Very lonely over here. Yeah, very lonely. Um, very I'll share lonely. this with a friend if, you know, they're definitely into cars or not, maybe. But anyway, yeah, do let me know what your favorite electric car is because I'd like to have Feel a Feel free war. to consider all forms of electric cars. So be it a resto mod or a, yeah, you know. Or a hybrid even. Yeah. Whatever, if it has hybrid, elect- some form of electric motor, yeah. Definitely. Anything that's been electrified, yeah, for yeah. sure. So from your 330 BMW to Tesla or Porsche, whatever. So I think on that note, I think we can call On that bombshell, day. you mean? On that bombshell, that's right. On that bombshell, um, we'll have to call us a day. We will indeed. So um, once again, thanks very much for coming this far into the podcast and do let me know what your favorite electric car is. Um, and we hope to see you at that meet on Sunday yeah. I'm sharp uh, until okay. next week folks until same next time, week same place. exactly see you guys bye